Welcome to today's webinar compiled and produced by the team at biznews.com. All of our webinars are interactive. We encourage you to pose questions to our guests. The more challenging, the better. And the earlier you get the questions in, the better the chance of having them answered. The recording of this webinar will be available later today on the biznews.com channel on YouTube. Yeah, well, there it is. I'm Alec Hogg, and a warm welcome to you. We've got a cracking program coming up for you. The next hour, we'll be focusing on Kharifari, the chief executive of Capitec, the man who took over the job on the 1st of January, officially anyway, 1st of January 2014. I'm going to show you a share price in a little while that will blow your socks off. The way that uh, Capitec shareholders have benefited under his guidance has been quite extraordinary. Anyway, there are lots of questions because Capitec is doing new things. The uh, partnership that it's put together with uh, SA Home Loans. On this program, we spoke with Easy Equities' as chief executive, Charles Savage about that partnership, and there's good news there as well. But uh, all of that's still to come. First up, though, before we bring Harry in, uh, David Shapiro, and uh, today our guest market commentator is Koki uh, Koiman. Koki, uh, um, maybe maybe I'm going to have to help Koki a little bit there uh, to to open up uh, your webcam as well. We did see Koki just a couple of minutes ago, didn't we, David? And we can hear him. There we go. And there he is. I think uh, this is this is uh, wonderful to see you on screen, Koki. There were a few people who weren't believing that you really existed. They thought you were a cardboard cutout because every time we talk to you on on this webinar, uh, we don't see your face. But uh, you're looking as handsome as ever. Lovely to see you. Uh, and I must ask the two of you before we get into our main event of the day, your thoughts post the U.S. election. Uh, David, I know, is is not a Trump supporter. Um, I'm I'm not going to ask you to uh, to tell us who who you would have voted for, David. But I presume you're happy with the result because we've been quoting you, or you've been quoted all over the place as saying that it's good for South Africa that Biden is going to be the new president. Well, well, Biden's much more pragmatic. He's 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 uh, a lot more predictable, you know. And I think from that point of view, he's willing to talk to people. And I think that's why there's a sigh of relief around the world. Uh, the mayor of uh, Paris said, you know, welcome back, America. I don't know whether you were referring to uh, the Paris Accord or whether just generally that we'll see Biden, uh, you know, talking to Europe in much more conciliatory tones and, and uh, you know, around trade and other issues. And I think that's why markets are just picking up. We could see an expansion of world trade, um, you know, not the not threatening with tariffs anymore, and not expecting the morning tweet to send the markets all over the tweets, you know, to send markets all over the place, less volatility. So I think if you put that's that's really uh, what I was hoping for. I've got no strong feelings towards Biden. He's 77, you know, he's a lot 
lot, lot older than I am. <laughs> many, <laughs> many years older. <laughs> so, um, and 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 I think it, he, I see him as a circuit breaker, just giving us some breathing time to get things on. So I think that's where you know that's where I'm coming from, and that's where hopefully. He's, you know, they're not going to talk. Uh, he won't. Uh, we won't have a president who thinks of us as a toilet. You know, so um, that's hopeful for EMs. And EMs are reacting. They're responding that way. EMs meaning emerging markets. Emerging markets. Sorry, emerging meaning? markets. Yeah. South Africa as well. Uh, before we bring you in, Corky, for your thoughts on the U.S. election, we have to make sure that everybody can actually hear us and that they know how to participate in this program, Business Community members, that is. So here's our Stuart Lohman, our General Manager. Stu, do you want to take us through the technicals? Excellent. Thanks, Alec, and welcome, guys. Uh, just quickly, if you can hear my voice and see Alec, David, and Corky on screen with a presentation underneath, um, can you just give me a high five, a little high five button on the control panel? Um, just need to see a few of those to make sure. There we go, Alec, got some coming through. Lovely stuff. Alec, also like to keep a conversation, as you mentioned about the questions, to so please get them in early. To do that, there's little questions dropped on on that same control panel. If you put your questions there, Alec can pass them on to the relevant guests. Uh, but Alec, mm -hmm. all looks good this time. Fabulous. Thanks, Stu. Excellent. Corky, your thoughts post-US election for investment markets? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what David says. Uh, the big problem more is that obviously the Democrats will be much more socialist. So you'll, you'll get attempts, and that's where the split Senate is important, but you know, you'll get attempts to increase tax rates, do a lot of socialist programs, uh, and, and as we know, governments are very poor at, at running socialist programs. There's a lot of leakages. So you get effectively capital that will be allocated from the private sector to, to, to government to decide how that gets allocated, which, which, for capitalists is a nightmare. I've got a lot of friends in, in New York who are ready to emigrate, <laughs> who are foaming at the mouth. How can we live with this? But but I think so for the, for the dollar and for emerging markets, it's good simply uh, you're going to get more uh, you know, consistent policy making, and and the more socialist policies combined with the high debt ratio that America has means lower growth for America. And so maybe you will have a four or five year period, which will be different from the 2008 to 2020, where you'll have a weaker dollar. And that is good for, for emerging markets. We've already seen it almost since June, where emerging market currency started strengthening. Uh, and that takes less, less pressure off them in terms of interest rates. And that will stimulate growth uh, in other countries. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think for markets generally this is, this is a good event. Maybe not so much for US, but even there, you know, the more greater reliability on on, on governments will be good. We've invested heavily in the business share portfolio in the US, and particularly in exponential shares, tech shares, particularly. Uh, David, do you think this could be bad news? A Biden presidency, and a, a, if the Senate were to go to the Democrats, and they were then able to push through those socialist programs that Corky is talking about uh, for tech shares? I, I, th I think why markets are going up is that uh, they won't get control of the Senate, even if they do get the 30 votes. So there's two runoffs in yeah. Georgia. If they get it and it's 30-30, they won't exercise their discretion by using the vice president's vote. You know, they're going to be a lot more careful. So 
I'm not concerned about socialist policies. I think they will be tamed, you know, and uh, so, and I think that's why markets are responding the way, you know, they are. And and I think that's also going to apply to regulatory issues um, on big tech companies. But I think where the values lie are probably slightly lower tech, you know, more mid caps now that I think will start to emerge. And and uh, we've got to start looking for those. I haven't got any ideas. I'm still sticking to my big ones for the meantime. They pricey. We know they pricey. And perhaps with uh, um, you know better markets developing, we're going to look for something just below those uh, those big techs. You know those somewhere there. But I'm I'm very positive on markets. Uh, and the positive is because we know stimulus a stimulus package is going to come. We just don't know how big it's going to be, but it's coming. And you know we've already seen that in Europe, and we or we're going to see it in Europe in December, and we've seen it in the UK. So, um, you know, for, for equity people, this is great. You know, this is this is it. We're feeding. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, two little points on that. We saw the Cloudflare share price react mm -hmm. aggressively to good financial results. So that's the next level down of the tech shares mm -hmm. that you talk about. Uh, that mm -hmm. really. Had a fantastic run on Friday. I think it ended up 11%, but it was more than 20% up at one mm. stage. Um, and the second point is uh, is the the stimulus that's continuing to go or pushed into markets. I think what's it now, Corky? Round number four that is likely to come through in the U.S. with Biden. Yeah, yeah. Look, the, the the stimulus is good and bad news. The market is in danger of becoming like a, a drug addict, and every time it wants mm. it wants more stimulus which all the stimulus really does is also adds to the debt level. And by the way, that's why banks have been even flowing as well, because stimulus does mean more inflation, uh, and inflation might mean a steeper yield curve, and that's good for banks. On the other hand, growth is also good for banks. But, but the stimulus, I think, short term is good, just to make sure that we don't have too much damage while you know the second wave of COVID is still hitting us. Uh, but the economies will have to live off uh, uh, or without a stimulus soon, and and that is, I suppose, the remaining uncertainty. You know, it's I think the two big uncertainties still is Brexit, those negotiations still ongoing. That's obviously one more that affects more UK Europe, and then you know how strong will the economies be post all the uh, stimulus and help packages that we are seeing. Um, yeah, we believe that you know, you'll have a normal recovery, that you know, confidence will increase, uh, unemployment will start uh, improving again, and you know, economies uh, will actually surprise next year on the positive side. And as David said, I think you know, having a Biden presidency might, presidency might actually help that as well. Well, we are um, bringing Kerry Faree in as soon as we can manage to get the the tech right on that side. I think it's a little bit like uh, the process you went through, Corky, uh, when you have your IT guys with the uh, firewalls not letting anything through. Kerry, yeah. I, I see we should be able to hear you, but we can't see you yet. Uh, can you hear yes, us loud and clear? Yeah, I can hear you very loud and clear. Good, good afternoon, everyone. But we can't get the webcam uh, working. All right. Well, I'm gonna. Um, I'll, I'll try again. I've just sent you a request. If it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, we, we I think we did see you a little earlier. It'd be nice to to see you, but not to worry. It's more important that you are with us on the program. 
before we, we go into the other conversations, and I know David and Corky are itching to ask you all kinds of questions, I've got to take you back a, a few years, Kelly, when we were meeting in London. And at the time, I asked you whether you would ever invest into the UK market, because if you recall, my personal experience there was that the UK banks are not that good and they could do with a bit of a Capitec shaking up. And you said at the time we would, but there's a bank here called Metro Bank who are in our space and are doing very well. Well, Metro Bank has fallen dramatically uh, and it's at a fraction of the price that it was. Nothing to do with the operations, but a lot to do with the way that, uh, well, I guess a few scandals that broke there over the ownership and things like that. Now, with a rand strengthening in the, to the degree it has, Metro Bank sitting at a fraction of the price that it was at when we last spoke is something like that. And I know you have made an offshore investment already, uh, and you can tell us about that, I'm sure. But is a Metro Bank even coming onto your radar? Do you guys talk about things like that, or is it too much on your plate locally? No, uh, Alex, currently we're not talking anything about overseas investments. Uh, as you know, we uh, bought Mercantile. And our biggest focus is now to make certain that we rebuild Mercantile uh, to the fundamentals of Capitec, where simplicity and transparency is, is key. So that will be our focus. You know, it's one thing about Capitec. We've always believed uh, don't do too many things, do one or two things, but really focus on it. So it's now business banking, and, and then we believe there's still a lot of scope on the retail side to, to focus on. David, do you want to kick off the questions? Um, I will. I, I thought you were going to show us a chart because, because I want to add to that. I've just been doing a bit okay. of work. Let, on, let me on, show you that chart. Because I want to add something there that we can talk about. Yeah. Okay. So here's a chart of, of Harry's um, period as CEO mm. at Capitec. Mm. When he took over on the 1st of January 2014, although looking back at the at our discussions at the time, Harry, you're actually running the place since October the previous year. But anyway, I took this from the 1st of January. Uh, the share price was around 200 bucks. It's now 1,200 bucks. So it's gone up six times uh, in the six years. Now, that's an extraordinary mm. increase at a time that there were a few people wondering initially whether Capitec was going to miss Rion Stassen, uh, Harry's longtime uh, colleague, and uh, when when he stepped down, David. So I don't know if you want to pick up from that. I, there are a couple, I've, you know, for people who are listening to this and or watching this, I think it's absolutely essential that we give a bit of history, and, and not deep history, but just this, the Capitec uh, success story, because a lot of questions are going to be around that. Uh, you know, Capitec today has a market cap of 145 billion. Now, to give that in, uh, compare that with the other banks, you've got first round at 230, Standard Bank at 184, but you've got APSA at 88, that comes in. Now, so it means that Capitec is far bigger than APSA and probably nearly three times bigger than Nedbank and probably four times bigger than Investec. Now, this is a bank More that value. only started. Do you, yeah, you showed you showed that chart uh, when you introduced Kerry. You know, this is a this was only started in the year 2000. So, I, and and in that, if you would have invested 100 rand 10 years ago in Capitec, it's worth 923 rand today. So, if you would have, that's a, an increase of. Um, 
800%, 24.5% per annum. And that if you would have invested in, in first rand, you've made 7.5% per annum. If you would have invested in the other banks, they're probably all negative. So it gives you an idea of the cumulative return you would have made on Capitec. So, I mean, it's been a phenomenal story. And along the way, there have been a huge number of critics. You know, every year there's some analyst with lots of degrees and, you know, lots of uh, figures or uh, letters behind his name who's trying to knock Capitec. But where I want to start off with, if I can, is that um, I remember talking to Rian many years ago when, when Capitec first started. And he said, and, and, and this is subject to correction, Kerry, but he said that the success of Capitec was that they never had legacy issues. They never had bricks and mortar banks. And also, they were almost a discard of the APSA um, merger in which Bank of Boerland was discarded and they had picked up, I think, the IT from um, you know, uh, from Bank of Boerland. And it was very robust IT in the, in the sense that to expand it, you only had to add on service. In other words, you didn't have to rewrite as the bank expanded. So it's a big question that I have about the IT side as uh, Ferry goes into uh, new areas. And the other was simply the trust that they formed with their customers. Um, they never offered fancy products. You walked in, it was either black or black. You know, that's all you could have. You know, it was like uh, like at uh, Ford. You know, you could, you know, you had the the only choice was to get a black Model T. Um, it was very simple, and that built the trust. There was uncomplicated issues when people walked into the bank. And through that, they built a huge understanding with their client base, I think, which continues today. So I think going on to that, I think the question that I want to ask Kerry is, number one, on the IT, as you go into easy equities, as you start to do these mergers, is it still going to be that robust? Can you maintain that advantage as you do other things with uh, customers? And secondly, the trust that you built as you go into other areas, you know, is it going to be uh, as easy as it was in the past to, to maintain that very close relationship and understanding that you have with your customer base? Yeah, uh, David, thanks for that question. I think it's a very uh, important question, the thing about legacy, uh, because as you're getting bigger um, and you're getting older, we're now 20 years old, there's always that question. And it's, we just had a strat session now two, three weeks ago where we asked that same question to ourselves. But I think the most important question to ask uh, the whole time, and that's what we're asking us, is how, do, how would you disrupt yourself um, if you're a competitor or if you're in the market? Uh, and I think that forces you to think completely different. Um, so that is for us a very, very important uh, uh, question. And we're asking it basically every month. We're asking that question, how would somebody else uh, disrupt us? Or how should we disrupt ourselves? Because we know we should know ourselves the, be the, the best. I think uh, the second question on, as you're adding more products, uh, we're extremely careful of making it more complex. Um, that's where if you look at easy equities and if you look at um, the relationship with SIM loans now, it is uh, on our digital area, so it's not in the branches. Um, you will go onto the web and you can apply for any one of those. But every one of those are carefully selected to make certain that we keep to our fundamentals of simplicity and, and, and transparency. 
because uh, trust you build over years. We all know you can destroy trust very quickly. And trust that goes all about that consistency, delivering the same thing over and over and over again so that your client base um, trusts yourself uh, or trust the brand. And for us, that's a very important question to, to answer. So on those questions, we, we're very aware of it. We challenge ourselves on it. Um, and we also believe the market is changing so quickly that um, you need to look at partners. You can't do everything yourself. Um, and I think that's what we've done very successfully with Sunlam uh, and our Easy Equities and, and SA Homeland. So the partnering approach uh, for us is important going forward. Um, and I think that's the way to go because you, you need to focus on what you're strong on and bring in partners that can help you um, creating value for your clients. Very interesting point about partnerships. Uh, people have been talking about them for years and years, these smart partnerships. But I, I guess to a large degree, Sunlam have, have been leading the way. And it's uh, interesting to see that a, another partnership Sunlam has uh, with Capi, is with Capitec. And then, of course, uh, this, this almost um, trifecta of the three of them together with Easy Equities. Corky, Sunlam's your partner as well, isn't it? <laughs> You're right, a shareholder in uh, our business. So it's it's but, uh, you mustn't be too kind to Kerry because he's part of the family. No, 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 no don't worry. It's, uh, but you know, um, I mean, David's right. I think that graph also doesn't totally do justice because it shows Capitec on its own, but not Capitec relative. Um, and if you look at Capitec's performance relative to just the market, not even to bank. It's been phenomenal. Um, but I think my three questions for Harry would be just in terms of, of, of for listeners where, where, you know, going forward, uh, obviously the question is, can one continue, uh, you know, that phenomenal growth? And, and the share price appreciation was obviously a due to significant re-rating. Uh, you'll recall 2002-3 when, when Yanni Maton and then uh, IPO'd uh, Capitec out of PSG Consult uh, at, at was trading at I think must have been a rand or two price to book of 0.6 and is now trading at price to book of five. But so going forward in terms of continuing the the NAV per share or shareholder value growth, I suppose the three questions are: Capitec uh, built its success on the branch-based model. And interesting, David mentioned Metrobank. Metrobank actually partly also fell apart because they tried to do a branch-based growth model in the UK. Okay, there were other things that went wrong there. But, but the world is changing rapidly uh, to digital models away from branches. So, Harry, if you were to grow both locally and offshore, would it be more focused on digital, which is also the area I know you, you like very much, uh, or to what extent will branches will play a role? And and maybe the same question along that line is when you started, your client base was more your, your lower end of, of you know, the socioeconomic spectrum, people who weren't getting uh, good service or uh, loans from other banks. And gradually that client base has shifted as well. Just the fact that you do a JV with easy equities shows how that client, that client base has moved. Um, so how do you see, would you in future just always have 
both client bases? How do you serve them um, with the same model? Uh, recall back in the, was it 1990s, Richard Loach at NetBank tried to you know, differentiate you know, the bank with different uh, brands. So how do you see those two things playing out? Good question. Yeah, thanks, Koki. I think if you look at, um, we actually gone through 15 million clients, active clients, um, over the weekend. So uh, we're still growing very strongly with plus minus 180 to 190,000 active clients. Um, and an active client is a client where we still earn income. So if you don't do a transaction or we've got no income, then we don't count you. Uh, and that 15 million is basically representing um, the demographics of South Africa. Uh, everyone thought when we started, we're going to start and only looking at people with lower income. But the plan is when we wrote the business plan way back in 2000 was to bank 90, 95% of South Africans. Uh, and it's only people that's looking for private banking that we said we'll leave out or specialized banking. It's interesting how digital has become a very important role in, in Capitec. Uh, we've got now over seven and a half million of those clients is making use of our app or USSD. Uh, so what you're sitting with about seven, seven million clients that is coming into the branch and about seven and a half that's on, 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 on a digital platform. Our digital volumes has grown uh, year on year with 55%. So you can see a big adoption on, on the digital side. Um, but there's still a very strong need of our clients to come into the branch, to connect, and uh, to fully understand the product. Um, so where digital plays for us a very important role is that once the client has been onboarded, then he's on the digital platform. But to onboard, he comes into the branch, and then we sell to him Global One. We've packaged all our products as Global One. And to us, it's so important that the consultant then spends quality time with that client so that a client fully understands the full product offer um, because we believe he must walk out there and he must be a brand ambassador. He must go and tell friends uh, because that's your easiest way to advertise uh, if you really believe um, in your brand. So digital is going to definitely be, be more important. Um, but I think where we are now, we're quite happy with the digital branch uh, combination. Uh, I think if you're going to go overseas, um, you'll definitely go digital. If, if what we're doing on, on the mercantile side is to build a digital business banking focusing, focusing on SMEs, and we're building the digital side on, on the retail space, um, and th that gives you the opportunity then to take uh, the brand overseas. Uh, I don't think if you go overseas, you won't go with branches or you'll go with limited branches, um, but you will go the digital uh, route because that's that's the more... Uh, that's the norm today. It's also interesting of our 7 million clients, 7.5 million that's on a digital platform, 3 million of them are still coming into a branch somewhere in a month uh, to come and ask something or do something. So that clearly shows you that there's still, even if you're on a digital platform, there's still a need to come into the branch to, to interact and to talk to a consultant. So a bit of a hybrid model. Harry, I've got a number of questions that have come through here. One of them, or rather, four of them from Denise, uh, and I think she's really trying to focus on the whole SA Home Loans story. Um, I'm going to throw these at you, and, and perhaps you can pick them up and, and tell us the whole story. The first one is, what is different this time from the partnership you've always had with SA Home Loans? Is Capitec entering the bond originating space, and is the bank going to have its 
own home loan book. Apart from the reasons stated for demand for this offering, what is the financial gain going to be for Capitec? In your existing partnership with SA Home Loans, what's your current market share? And then finally, what's the lowest and the highest loan that you've granted together with SA Home Loans? Like it's about 10 questions in one sentence, but I'll try <laughs> and remember them all. <laughs> uh, I think the important thing is uh, we, I think we, I think it was 2015 when we had a partnership agreement with SA Home Loans, but then we sold it as SA Home Loans out of our branches. And the mistake we've made was not to integrate that into our global one product offer. Uh, and we've seen it. Um, a lot of people have criticized us with our credit card, where it's not a standalone product, but it's a totally integrated uh, uh, product. Um, and we actually took uh, two years longer to go to market. But then when it went, we actually really understand how powerful it is when it's integrated, because then your consultant has got a full view, a single view of the client, and he can offer exactly what you have or what you haven't got. Uh, so uh, SI Home Loans, we've launched, but it didn't work for us. And then a year ago, we actually sat down and said, but we need to relook at it. And the easy way to go about it is that uh, it's a white label product, um, but it's done by themselves. Again, what are we good at? We good at sales and distribution, and we've got 50 million clients. And we need to protect our client base, because if you go to another bank and you want to take a home loan, the first thing they ask um, is that you actually move your account. So we need to protect ourselves from, from, from that perspective. And that's why we brought out um, a cavity home loan, but underwritten by um, SA Home Loans. So it's on their balance sheet. And then we looked at all the processes to say, how can we make the processes more, more efficient and, 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 and simplified? So if you go onto uh, the web uh, and you apply, then um, it takes you about three to five minutes. You fill in all your details and then immediately a person from SA Home Loans will contact you and then take you through the whole process. But what is quite nice is you're getting a, track, a tracking number. So in that process, you can any time go onto the web and then you can track where you are. Because remember, there's the whole thing about uh, valuation of the home. Um, there's uh, You must register the bond, et cetera, et cetera. So those processes are still, still there. But now you can track it and you can see exactly where it is. Um, and also with that tracking, it gives us the capability that you talk to the same agent every single time. So you don't need to repeat, you start knowing that, that person. So things like that we, uh, that we've actually looked at. If you look at the market share that we've got with Islamlands, it's extremely small. Um, it's not even a percent, uh, but I think there is a lot of opportunities in it. And it's a partnership. So, you know, it's the same with, with uh, Sanlam. Uh, we've sat down with them and we worked out uh, what is our cost and what is their cost. Uh, it won't be a big uh, contributor to our profit. It will be actually very, uh, very low. But like I said, it's it's helping us to to acquire the top end uh, market because there's always that need to say, but I will go to Capitec, but they don't offer home loans, and it helps us to protect ourselves from from that perspective. So that's why it's exciting for us um, the whole partnership of SA Home Loans. And that highest and lowest loan that you've granted, again, knowing that we're talking to the upper end of the market here on Biz News, what would the maximum home loan be that you've granted so far? Uh, I think the highest was about two and a half. Uh, you're talking now on the old model. On the new model, there's been a lot of um, uh, volumes coming through. Uh, we're talking here in the region of about, uh, since we've launched, over 7,000 applicants that's came in. Uh, and that ranges 
between 500,000 up to 5 million. Um, it's in that range. But your sweet spot, if you look at home loans, is around about 2 million. Um, it's your sweet spot. But 5 million then would be the top. Is that correct? Yeah, the top. Yeah, it's one of those interesting uh, things in the South African market um, is that if you look at the, the um, uh, mortgage market, there's 1.1 million people that's got a mortgage uh, um, um, that they've got. So if you say there's about, let's say, seven people in a household, then it's seven, um, I get eight million people that's got a, a roof over their head uh, because they've got a mortgage. Uh, but we've got 55 million people in South Africa. Uh, your other big challenge that you've got is that uh, a lot of the title deeds, especially in our townships, has been outdated. Um, so it was owned by the grandfather, but it was never transferred to the children. So you can't get a title deed. And if you look at the title deed market in, or, or the mortgage market in South Africa, of that 1.1 million, about 900,000 is for bonds over a million uh, plus. And if you really look at the market in South Africa, where we need to unlock potential is around about 500,000 um, because if you go into Soweto and you I, I do it as a hobby to go and look at what is the average prices of houses um, when we're doing market research and you re, you're in a region of about between 400 and 700,000 so we believe there's a there's a there's a big opportunity there but you're sitting with the title deed challenge because um, title deeds are 80% are of the time is outdated David Shapiro, your question. I think I I was going to move on to the economy because I, I think I can see we started to run out of time. We're not going to have real time. But I mean, Hiri, how do we how do we modernize the South African economy? I mean, how do we get those processes uh, um, pushed through? Because I mean, it's so important. To, to be able to prove title um, and, and, and to get so many administrative things done so that you can get an active market uh, moving, you know, that people can claim that title. I mean, what are the steps to be done? But I, I, on top of that, I mean, I did want to go back to the actual market itself and, and what, your, what your feeling is now about the South African economy. Um, we went through a very bleak period where banks have made incredible um, provisions against bad or underperforming debt. Um, you know, how are you seeing it unfold? With the retailers coming up, there's a slightly better view on how things are in the market. But uh, so it's two kind of questions at different angles, but interested to see, you know, to hear your view on, on how you're seeing things on the ground. Uh, maybe just the first one on the title deeds. It's quite interesting. We started a, a process working with different municipalities and to help the people to get to their title deeds. And we're starting now to get about uh, 150 title deeds per month, which we're registering through our CSI uh, program. And then you're spending about two to three thousand rand per title deed. So I think it's something that the government must actually really take and say, how do we take all the red tape out? How do we help people to get title deeds? And then I think the question is, if I look at um, the so-called trust lands or chief lands, uh, should they not be title deeds? Because that's when you really create value. Because if you if you drive around into KwaZulu-Natal in the so-called chief lands, there's tremendous nice houses and big houses. 
but you, those people can't get financing, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's a big opportunity and challenge to actually unlock potential because that's that's actually how you start. As you 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 gear on on your mortgage and and then you look after your house and then you sell and then you 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 you, you create wealth from there. Um, how do we see the economy? I think when we started in April, um, when COVID hit us. I think we were all doom and gloom, um, but as it was unfolding, um, the figures were starting to show much better, um, uh, or, or much, yeah, it was much better. And to give you two examples, um, in August, our transaction volumes on swipes were back to normal levels, uh, but you saw a big swing. Um, typically, we all know restaurants were closed, uh, but then the building uh, suppliers skyrocketed they were at 140 150 percent and that was purely people as now working from home and upgrading their their homes uh another very interesting one for me is because we've got 1.1 million lending clients or credit clients and um from about july august uh if i compare that to march the average salary was at 97 percent only three percent down and that was predominantly in the overtime and bonuses that's been cut. So what we've seen in the economy so far is that um, the casuals and contract workers has definitely lost their, their, their work. There was major cutbacks on it. And then on the small companies, people that's employing less than 10 people, um, they were struggling because they haven't got the cash flow to go through it. So I think short term, we're going to be better off than what we anticipated in April, May. But I'm concerned about the long term uh, because we all know in South Africa, we need to do a couple of things of which I think the most important one is uh, decide how to grow the country, country and then to execute, execute, execute. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got challenges, but I think short term, uh, overall, I think we're going to be better than, than um, what we all anticipated. Koki, your question? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's important to point out to listeners as well that uh, Capitech, in terms of its capital ratios and reserving for bad debt, uh, potential bad debt, is amongst the highest in the world. So uh, you know, when you talk to potential investors or investors in Capitech, there's always this fear about the bad debt, but with their capital ratios being where they are and, and you know, the um, reserve ratios being where they are, there's, there's enough capital for growth. Um, so I agree with Kelly, the most thing is to you know, open that. But if I, if I switch the mode a bit in terms of just um, on the longer term, uh, you've got that little uh, mode or JV there uh, with, with clean finance in, in Eastern Europe. Uh, and they've got something in, I think, uh, one of the banks they've got a stake in or investment in or started in Mexico as well. And you've got Mexico, Denmark. What what are you learning from that? Uh, or are you contributing more to them in terms of learning and having been very innovative for yourself? But but other things you say, you know, every time you fly back from a board meeting, they say, well, yes, we haven't thought of that or we did think of that. Or uh, how do you see that go? It's a really good really question. Uh, Kerry, sorry, about Cream Finance. Maybe you can go back uh, before you answer that and just explain who they are and why you bought into them. Yeah, I think uh, just who Cream is, it's an online lending uh, business. Uh, they're operating in six countries. Uh, it's Mexico, uh, 
uh, Czech, uh, Latvia, Spain, Denmark. Um, I think I've got all six now. Uh, but it's an online lending business that we uh, bought about four years ago. Um, and the whole idea was to actually understand our overseas market. Uh, we believed one needs to go internationally, and I st we still believe it. But as to buy something small and to learn and to understand the differences between, let's say, Spain and Mexico, etc., to understand the different economies and, and really learn from it, because it's always easy when you go in to a country to uh, walk around and you think you know the country. Um, so if I quickly must uh, elaborate, I think the learnings is um, three things. Um, is how different the different uh, countries are, um, the economy, the way you approach the client, um, it's all different. Uh, so that's a big learning. Um, the second one is regulatory. Um, two things on regulatory is, on the national or, or, or our national credit act is far more advanced um there you still allowed when we bought to lend out at 400 500 percent interest rates and that was one of the first things to say this is not a long-term sustainable um one needs to bring it back but uh it was quite amazing to see how quickly the regulators actually adjust um and it's not like here in south africa where you will bring out a new regulation and that will take about 12 months um you normally six to 12 months and then another six months to implement there it's like two three months um and then you need to change systems processes etc uh, and i think the third one is to exchange rate um you think you make a profit and then suddenly um the euro strengthen or weakens and it's got a massive impact um and then fourthly just to add to this distance management so we're very happy with the investment. It's not a, it's not performing extremely well because with COVID now those countries have been very hard hit. But from a learning perspective, it was a very small investment. Um, from a learning side, we're very glad that we've done it. So that once we've got Mercantile really go, going and we're happy with how the retail side is going, uh, we'll make use of this experience and take that abroad. There's a question from Peter Extian. Kerry, uh, he says, what is the possibility for Capitec to adapt aspects of Square's model? You're talking Square, uh, the lending uh, 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 Indeed. Uh, platform of Square? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, that's, that's the other nice thing about uh, Cream is that you use uh, different data. Uh, they've been using completely different data than what we've used. Um, and that's what we're actually doing now in, in, in Capitec. So we started to use some of the scoring of capabilities and the same as what we're seeing here. And this might be just interesting to for listeners to understand, um, the better, the more data you've got, the better you can score a client and the better you understand a client. Um, and what we've built over the years is that now our clients at banks with ourselves uh, 80% of those clients' uh, credit assessment is done via machine learning, uh, whereby the machine learn goes through your bank statement and identifies your income and all your expenses. Um, and the accuracy on that 80% is now at 99.9. So where it normally would have taken you about 15 minutes to do a credit assessment, uh, now it takes you 30 seconds uh, with a much greater efficiency. 
And if you look at uh, our branches, it operates at 10 Rand per minute. Um, so when a, when a client sits in front of a consultant, it costs you 10 Rand per, per minute. So you can imagine if you start taking out 10, 15 minutes per credit application. So just coming back to Peter's question is, um, we're using quite a lot of these machine learning, artificial intelligence, and starting to use a lot of other data streams to better score clients. Uh, another question from the community from Cecil Schur. He says, historically, the shorter the loan, the better chance of being paid without rollovers. With the new home loans, with your new partnership, who carries the risk, Capitec or SA Home Loans? And who will be managing the loan and the debtor? Uh, everything gets done. Um, so they write the loan. It's their credit model. Uh, so it's on their balance sheet. So it's, it's not on our balance sheet. So we don't carry the risk. What we uh, do is the sales and the distribution um, and then to make certain that they deliver on the ser service as what we've agreed. Um, and I think that's the nice thing about it because we've always been in unsecured and there's quite a lot of nice uh, new unsecured products that we're bringing out. Uh, for example, the access facility that we brought out in May, um, entering the or attacking the so-called secured market uh, with unsecured. Um, so the SA Home Loan Partnership is, they unsecured, they understand that, let them focusing on it, we'll focus on the sales and the distribution side. David Shapiro, your next question. I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in the ant story. And why I'm interested in the ant story is because uh, the Chinese government, I mean, has come down very hard on Jack Ma and has skyboshed the, the listing of this business, mainly because there's fears of them interfering with monetary policy and becoming too big for their boots. Kerry, who's your, who keeps you up at night or who are you watching in an environment that is changing so rapidly where we get someone like Alibaba um, starting a financial services company or for all intents and purposes, almost a payment type system? You know, uh, I'm sure you keep tabs on um, on on First Rand and Standard Bank and and concerned about them. But are there any other areas, you know, that are starting to to alert you or to make you not nervous necessarily, but that you have to watch in the kind of digital world that we're going into? Yeah, I think uh, uh, David, it's where uh, the financial world is going is everyone is becoming a competitor. You know, if you look at, uh, I spent uh, two weeks last year, October, in China, spending time with, with Ant and and um, uh, uh, WeChat, uh, understanding their morals, understanding what they're doing, and I think it's just a matter of time that they're entering the South African market. And as we know, they've gone in with Vodacom. Uh, then you're sitting with um, WhatsApp uh, that's launched payments, uh, and you, you're definitely going to sit with Facebook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's coming coming in. So I think there's going to be a lot of new players that's coming in, and they're all entering via the payment stream. So they're controlling the payment side, and if you've got the payment side, then you understand the clients from that perspective, and then you start taking deposits, and then you start uh, providing credit, which uh, and is done. Um, and I think that is the challenge of the regulators going forward is that the need of the client is changing quite quickly and there's just going to be more and more entrants coming in into the market and you need to create a fair playing field 
between, let's call it the banks and the non-banks, uh, because our banks are very well regulated uh, and very strongly regulated, but the playing field needs to be equal. Uh, and I think that's what you start seeing now in, 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 in China. So I think there's going to be a big challenge for uh, ourselves, again, given the new entrance. And then there's going to be challenges for the regulators to see how they're going to um, uh, uh, manage this new digital space, um, fintech space, uh, because it is going to change quite, uh, quite, quite quickly. And I think, you know, it's come back to what, what keeps us awake at night is really understanding the client and understanding these international trends and to say, how do you apply it um, in South Africa and to make that uh, experience of the client unique and painless. Um, so for us, that's a big focus. So the digital payment space, uh, I think that's where there's going to be a lot of uh, competition going forward. Before we ask our uh, two experts to pose their final question to you, Harry, there's uh, an anonymous one here from uh, Anonymous, we won't tell you who it is, who wants to know how things are going with the partnership with Easy Equities. He does say that he is a shareholder in Purple Capital, so uh, th that's the disclaimer. <laughs> no, we, we're very happy. Uh, we had about um, 60,000 clients on Easy Equities before we start. Um, and uh, the morning that it was actually um, launched, we, for the first uh, hour on our app, we had over 200,000 people um, bring, uh, or, or uh, opening up the Easy Equity app. Um, so that just shows you how um, uh, people actually wanted to, to go onto it. And we're now starting to, prom uh, to promote it. Um, so we're very happy um, and we still very early to tell, but you know, in our full year res results in March, April, uh, we'll share the figures with yourselves, but it's gonna be very interesting to see what comes out of it. Again, I think there's a lot of value uh, because I think the biggest value, Alex, uh, we've spoken about it. You can buy um, Amazon share and you, you don't need to buy a full share, you can buy a tenth or a twentieth. Uh, so it opens up the market, especially for the, the smaller uh, or people that wants to buy, pay, buy 100 rands of shares or 200 rand shares. You can buy either international or South African stocks uh, at a fraction of the cost um, at other places. You say you haven't marketed it yet, but you had 200,000 people who opened the app in the first hour. Goodness, Kerry, yeah. this sounds like a huge <laughs> potential market. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually unbelievable because I was actually um, that morning I was trying to show my wife how it actually works and I couldn't get up uh, and then I had to phone our IT department and I said, they said no, they said we're volumes. That's the nice thing about uh, our game is uh, to be able to handle volumes because um, you get these massive spikes. Incredible. David, uh, we let Koki have uh, the next question and then you come with the last one. Koki, would you like to go ahead with yours, your final question? Yeah, hey, maybe just in terms of um, you know, the, the allocation of capital, um, uh, I don't think anybody should or does buy Capitec for a dividend. Um, your dividend is, yield is very really low. And in fact, I always used to say to Riam, why do you pay a dividend? And I suppose PSG needed it. But going forward, I mean, so in capital allocation, you've got you've got enough capital, you've got enough reserves. But I think is it safe to assume you will continue using that capital to grow uh, the loan book and keep some reserve potential 
acquisitions that you might want to do. Uh, it's not really been your style that much, uh, but but uh, keep the dividend low. Yeah, uh, okay. we've always been um, very consistent with our dividend policy, uh, apart from this year where the Reserve Bank said we can't pay out by uh, dividends, uh, but we've always been uh, consistent on it and we'll stay to that formula. Um, we always said we are a young bank, uh, small bank, so we need to carry extra capital and, and I think it's helped us through the tough times um, and we'll continue with that. And then, you know, you've, you've got opportunities, I believe, and then the unsecured side and you've got now mercantile. Um, so on business banking, on the SME side, uh, we believe there's opportunities and then you're going to need that balance sheet to grow that business. So I think we will focus or we'll stay uh, at the same uh, strategy that, that has worked for us. David, your last question for Harry. Yeah, it's tongue in cheek. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> I was in Sandton City and uh, when you go there on the month end and you go to Capitec, uh, ATMs, you see queues <laughs> that extend about 20 or 30 meters. And uh, when you go to Standard Bank or any of the others, you know, there's maybe one or two people there. And so when when I questioned people, I said, you know, you Capitech must be building a huge base and making a lot of inroads against First Rand and uh, Standard Bank. And the answer was no, you know, there just aren't enough Capitech ATMs. What's the right answer? Are you making inroads or aren't there enough ATMs? <laughs> no, well, if you look at uh, ourselves, we just sit over 5,000, I think it's 5,300 ATMs. If you look at NetBank, it's about four and a half, and Santa Bank in these places are about six, 7,000 ATMs. Um, so it's, it's a matter of, um, you know, our client base that's growing with two million clients per year, and it's done for the last two years. And it puts pressure on, uh, but I think the real challenge is actually how do we change behavior in South Africa? And that's where we're spending quite a lot of time uh, because cash is extremely expensive um, and it's extremely risky. Um, and, you, you know, we've just spoken about payments, uh, QR payments and ease of payments. Uh, we need to change the behavior in South Africa where people um, starts using these payment methods and that's what we're really focusing on because uh, David if you go into the informal market um, the biggest problem there is the taxi owner uh, goes in and he, you need to pay him in cash and then you stop at the informal person and you buy your bread and milk uh, and that's also cash uh, but if we can bring that into a formal system uh, with QR payments that you don't have an expensive point of sale machine um, and now you pro uh, you're providing um, a low-cost banking to ourselves. You can then provide credit. Um, then you start creating a model, which I think is very important because if we want to grow South Africa, we need to grow or unlock the potential in the informal market in South Africa um, because that will help us to create jobs and to really start start growing. So. Um, Yes, we can probably put in more ATMs, but I think the, the biggest focus is actually to change client behavior so that we can unlock uh, the potential in South Africa. How far are QR code payments away? How far away are QR code payments? Are you, uh, Alec, if you go onto our uh, app now, you will see Capitec uh, Pay, uh, which is then enables you with 
any QR payment, you can just then take a photo and you can pay. Uh, so it's it's not that you need to have a separate one for Zapper, Snapscan, et cetera, et cetera. Everything is integrated into our app, uh, Scan to Pay, so it's quite easy. Um, and QR codes are running out. We are, are rolling out. We're rolling out in the region of about 500 merchants per month. Um, and then we're starting in the new year with a massive uh, campaign uh, to make people aware that the way to pay is actually with QR payments because it's it's beneficiary to the merchant and to yourself, uh, especially now with COVID, because um, you don't need to touch anything. Kerry, it's been such a pleasure talking with you again today. Uh, and I'm sure I, I speak for Koki and David and, and the whole business community. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, while we say goodbye to Kerry, um, there is a question here which is related, David and, and Koki, from Len. He says, I'm expecting almost 3 million Rand from a discount property deal. Should I leave it in rental property or invest in NASPAS process or Capitec? <laughs> ah, let Cookie answer that first. I'll come in I later. <laughs> I was, I was going to say the same. Um, I mean, Capitec has just got so much growth still ahead of it. Um, that, you know, compared to NASPAS, well, that's also a difficult one, 10 cents, um, but, but Capitec can still you know, grow into the world by clean finance as well. So longer term, it's just, you know, it's a fantastic company. And as I was listening to Gary, I was taking notes and you realize how much, how far ahead they are of the competition. So you'll never worry owning it. It's fairly expensive at the moment. So don't expect you know, um, you know, 12 months uh, satisfaction, but three, five years, you're going to look back and say, oh, that was a good buy. So you'd be recommending to Jen that he, uh, to Len rather, that he, he doesn't worry about a, another discount or another property uh, rental or nice pass or process. He can stick with Capitec, Koki. Yep, absolutely. David? No, I agree. I just... I've been knocked out by Capitec and and what they've done, and uh, you know, one's had to fend off so many detractors, and there've been a lot of questions about the rollover loans. You know, we've gone through all of that, and yet they come out on on top. And you just have to listen to Kerry. I mean, it's it's always wonderful to learn from from your guests, Alec. And you know, once again, we we've learned so much, and to understand how they're looking, you know, how they're looking at the future. I have to add on, a, uh, I mean, just end of, or if this is the end of me on a funny note, because you heard what Kerry had to say about how to encourage people to change their habits. My daughter sent me a picture of a busker in New York, uh, chaps, you know, on the side in Central Park, playing his um, saxophone there. And, you know, he normally had the case open and you throw a few coins or a dollar in, etc. In this case, he had his cryptocurrency account you know, don't send him something rather do a direct transfer to his cryptocurrency account. So, you know, that's the way we have to go. You know, don't send me your coins, just uh, put a deposit there. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's been a phenomenal success story and uh, um, I expect them to continue the kind of growth that we're seeing. And there's not much competition from the other banks in terms of trying to catch them up on their compound interest. So, Process. I, I don't. I don't dislike process or NASPAS either. 
still very, very strong on, on, on China. Two weeks ago, when we had uh, the chief executive of SASL here, Fleetwood Krobler, uh, Pete Fulun was quite had some quite pointed questions. The it might have been coincidental, but the SASL share price tumbled uh, immediately after the webinar and kept falling. Um, I don't know if it got to your 70 rand level that that you were saying you'd look at it again, David. But can you anticipate that after what we've heard today? that uh, Capitec share price would go the other direction, given that the two of you are so po- uh, bullish? <laughs> I, I just think circumstances are just favoring Capitec and, and uh, emerging markets at the moment. I think we're in for quite a strong run. How do you explain that? Uh, it, 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 it's not easy to explain. It just seems to be a very positive, uh, positive momentum following the election. And also, uh, you know, I'm a 100% equity man. You know, I, I don't believe in in any other asset class simply because you've got people like Harry running companies. You know, who don't who who just uh, continue to uh, look for growth. And and you know, you you can buy Capitec share and sleep at night. It's Harry who's who's got to stay awake now, worrying who's coming to uh, who's attacking them and uh, what the competition is. So he's working for you, and uh, it's a good boss to have working for you, or a good partner to have working for you. So, but I think we're in for a, a nice run in equities generally. So, and and if you're looking for banks, uh, as Cookie said, Capitec is a little expensive, but you can't you can't fault their uh, track record and where they're going, and the the energy that's still there. So, I, Cookie, I don't know what their policy is. I don't know what their remuneration policy is. That's always a worry, but uh, yeah. so I, I I'm not sure whether they stand up with all the other banks who I see. Um, you know, we've we've just had from Stanley how they love to pay themselves these huge bonuses, but I I can't recall any major issues with uh, Capitec. It might it might just be worthwhile to end off just to warn. Yeah, Capitec uh, priced the book roughly of 6.97 on a P it's 26 to 27. So the gap, the valuation gap between Capitec and Apps has actually never been this wide in the 20 years I've looked. So so you only if you're a holder, you might be disappointed in the next few years that something like Apps you know, in a recovering market, your cheap shares might just recover quicker. And so for 18 months, Epsom might just outperform Capitec. But if you look back again in five years time, that compounding of the shareholder value will overtake that. And uh, yeah. And as Warren Buffett says, when you buy a share, think of it as the stock market closing for five months, not uh, five years rather, not 18 months. So the tip is uh, is very strongly and very well made. Corky, lovely having you on the program. David, as always, it's a privilege to to uh, spend Mondays with you. Look forward to the next time. And thanks, gents. Uh, thanks to the business community for participating today. Da- uh, before we leave, Stuart, uh, just let us know where the recording is going to be. Excellent. Thanks, Alec. And thanks, Cookie and David. Um, Alec, I've just put the YouTube channel on the chat uh, box, which is also on the control panel on the right-hand side. So people can click on that. It'll take them through to the BizNews YouTube channel, and we'll hopefully get this one up in the next couple of hours. But thanks again for everything. Thank you for joining us for this webinar, which is compiled and produced by the team at biznews.com.
A recording of this webinar will be available later today on the biznews.com channel on YouTube. From our team, until the next time, cheerio. Thank you.